Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is not only Match Week 4, but it's the Panic Meter episode. Four Match Weeks into the season. It's time to start panicking. If you weren't panicking after the first 15 minutes of Match Week 1, what were you doing? I don't know what took you this long. but You're not a true fan if you haven't panicked <laughs> after the first 15 minutes of the season. After the first kick of the ball, you should be panicking. Or you're not dedicated enough, in my opinion. Um, but today we'll be going through... Not only match week four, which is a little delayed, but you know, there's some good match matches back there, so we thought we'd bring it back. And uh, but we're go- we're going through whether you should or shouldn't be panicking about some of the Premier League's underperforming teams. Yeah, I mean, it's we're not gonna go through the Man Cities because there's not nothing to really panic about there. <laughs> uh, only you know, Will Holland break the 36 he put up last year. That's you know, could could, could I'm start panicking. panicking about is that. Holland not going to but, score 40? I'm worried there. <laughs> That's that's a nine point six on the panic meter, um, <laughs> but yeah, today all about the panic, all about the overreactions. Uh, hopefully, get some spicy takes in there. But we'll start off pretty simple. Start off with some match week four stuff. Hop right into it. No no real intro here. I uh, got a lot to cover on the panic side of things. Um, we'll start off straight to match week four. Starting off with Luton one, West Ham two. This was Luton's first ever game in the Premier League at their home ground, if you can call it that. Um, their, you know, laundromat of a, of a <laughs> stadium. Um, their man's get their first backyard per- of a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Managed to get their first home Premier League goal at their bandbox arena, but did not take any points on the day. Bowen and Zuma uh, sealing three points for the Hammers. They are sitting in the... Champions League spot number four right now. Uh, stop the count, West Ham fans say. <laughs> uh, but right now, all looks good for uh, for West Ham. Silly not in the panic meter. Sheffield United 2, Everton 2. This was a game that was always going to be a draw, wasn't it? Um, but four more goals than I expected in this game. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, this is a thriller compared to what some people thought it was yeah. going to be. <laughs> Um, Archer and a Pickford own goal, a a comical Pickford own goal. Really not his fault, but it was it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Decore and then Juma, who would have thought that he would ever make an impact in the Premier League? Um, for Everton, yeah, this was it was always going to be a draw. Didn't matter how it happened, but after ninety minutes, it was probably going to be a draw. Everton pick up, I believe, their first points of the season and their first goals. So of the do season Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah, um, they both sit. Firmly, well, not firmly, I guess, because Luton and Burnley, certainly two panic meter uh, debutants, I'm sure. Uh, but yes, Everton and Sheffield sit just above them on one, but uh, Luton down at Burnley, 19th, 19th and 20th on zero. Man City 5, Fulham 1. This one was tied for a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> and it wasn't 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, but eventually Erling Holland got his meaty claws on the game and Scott scored not one, not two, but three goals. And it wasn't even the best hat trick of the week, so suck on that. Um, May not even be the second best hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Julian Alvarez and Ake... Uh, and then the American boy, Tim Ream, on the other side, getting a nice what would be consolation for Fulham. But yeah, this one was never in doubt for Man City. Uh, Chelsea, nil. Nottingham Forest, one. Guys, 
do not take this for granted because <laughs> it's, it's not going to be around for long. They're spending a lot of money. It's it's eventually if they just keep spending money, like I think it's it is funny that like it's just not working right now, but it will work eventually. Mm. Do not do not take these for granted. These are these are special moments, and I'm not taking them for granted. I I said this. <laughs> I said this to my friend who I was watching. I'm like, I will never take this for granted. This whole like spend a billion dollars and literally can't get a point in the Premier League thing. <laughs> I I will never take it for granted. I won't. And for as long as I live, like. I know I've been accused of some bias, some anti-Chelsea bias on this podcast. I mean, I'm trying to stay as unbiased as possible, but honestly, Chelsea are my favorite team in sports to root against <laughs> for multiple reasons. But even before the Bowley, during the Abramovich era, like just their transfer policy, they're just their fans are the most annoying in my opinion and the most like biased. I and I know there are members of my current family that are Chelsea fans, <laughs> and I'm still saying that. So. You know how passionately I feel about this. And, ugh, you know? Like, I'd rather the Cowboys win the next four Super Bowls than see Chelsea achieve anything, you know? Like, <laughs> That's Cowboys, New York Rangers, like, there's nobody that I enjoy seeing underperform more than Chelsea Football Club. Nobody. And, and this entire situation is just, like... It's just one of those things you just don't take for granted, in my opinion. And I know nobody really feels as passionately about that as I do, but I just feel like I need to say that. Anyways, Anthony Alonga gets the winner in this game, <laughs> and they had 23% possession. Uh, Nicholas Jackson had the miss of the season so oh, far, Jesus. and it's going to hold up for quite a while, I would think. Um, All around, he had a really those, poor yeah. game in front of goal. Yeah. That, that was just the tip of the iceberg, but he had a couple. Uh, he, Enzo Fernandez play them through a couple of times and he just made a mess of it yeah not nicholas jackson's day um yeah uh, like you said in like five six years time we're gonna be watching chelsea lift a premier league title and we're just gonna be thinking about the good old days exactly we're, exactly. we're just gonna be thinking about these jackson misses the the good old bruno bruno saltar era you know <laughs> Just going to think, where, just, where did the time yeah. go? <laughs> but yeah, exactly. no, gotta enjoy it. Gotta enjoy it. Exactly. Um, Chelsea sit. Oof. 12th? 12th behind Manchester United right uh, now. Right where they belong, I guess. United fans only saving grace right now. They're <laughs> <laughs> above Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham 2. No, tot not Tottenham 2. Burnley 2. Tottenham 5. I mean, nobody's cooking right now, like, I guess City, but. Spurs are just absolutely flying right now. Lyle Foster and Josh Brownhill uh, kind of sandwiching this game with a fourth-minute and 94th-minute goal. But Kyungman Son, one of three hat-tricks this week. Christian Romero and James Madison, what will he ever have a bad game in a Spurs shirt? Certainly hasn't yet. Um, round out this very, very complete performance for Tottenham Hotspur and Ange Ball. Absolutely cooking right now. Yeah, yeah, you... Can't deny it right now for Tottenham as much as I'd like to. But, again, <laughs> it's it's still early. They've started off seasons well before. They started off well under Conte last season. So let's, yeah. let's you know, Spurs fans, be optimistic. You've got nothing else, you know, if not hope. Yeah. But be, be realistic. You've been here before, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this project is going to be very good i i mean 
I was pretty anti-Spurs in the beginning of the season. Not, and I'm not talking about from a Arsenal fan. I'm talking about from just a you know Premier League watcher. Not many things were going in uh, Spurs' direction. They lost their nine and really didn't replace him. I mean, they're doing all this, and their nine is not even contributing whatsoever mm-hmm. in Richarlison. So, like, maybe in January they get they they pick up a number nine. Well, they've they, already they bought Brendan Johnson. It's know. just a matter of time before he's yeah. integrated in yeah. there. He's, is he a nine? I think he he's can play as a nine. He can play as a winger. Um, yeah. I mean, they could put a moving cone at the nine right now, and it'd be just <laughs> as effective. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, everyone else. It. I mean. Madison looks good. Sun looks back. Basuma is like fucking like yeah. Top this three midfield, Basuma right and Sar, like they're cooking. Sar, yeah, Christian um, Romero scoring and, screamers. Like <laughs> yeah, like and their defense was a huge question mark. Romero's been good. Dyer, I haven't really heard his name, which I think is a very good thing. Uh, Vicarios look fantastic when called upon. Like nothing really bad to say about Spurs right now. They are absolutely cooking and. With no European football, no European football, right? Yeah, no, no European football. Correct. This could yeah. be one of those Arsenal situations where, you know, they cleared their plate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Brentford two, Bournemouth two. A nice draw for Bournemouth, considering Brentford's form. Uh, Jensen and Buomo and Solanke and Brooks uh, scoring for their respective teams. Uh, Bournemouth going into Brentford right now and getting a point is a point that will certainly help them come the end of the season uh when it comes to survival uh Mbomo keeps cooking one of the you know breakout fantasy players of the year yeah. certainly I'm, i don't know what his price was preseason but it could have been more than like six mil um but yeah brentford rolling kind of stunted by bournemouth at home i think a lot of brentford fans would have thought they'd take three points here but Nice point from Bournemouth. I, I feel like they just, this is how they sneakily just survive every season. They just like don't lose to these like mid table, these like mid table teams, like these Fulham games. They, they go and get draws. Like Brighton, they'll go and get a draw. Like it's just like very sneaky come the end of the season. It's, they only need like a win or two to, to secure themselves. Yeah. Uh, survival. Uh, Brighton three, Newcastle one. A very, very tasty fixture on paper. Um, but Evan Ferguson took this game over. What is he like? Thirteen years old? No, nineteen. <laughs> I think he's like, nineteen, eighteen or nineteen. Enough already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even know how they found him. He's not South American. <laughs> yeah, they like, had to go a bit further north they just for this upon one. Him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dublin isn't quite America, Sao Paulo. <laughs> yeah. Can they start scouting like our MLS Next academies? Can actually like. <laughs> compete for a world cup maybe yeah because they're single-handedly turning ecuador into a fucking relevant team with <laughs> stupid on and Casado. yeah so um but yeah huge three points for brighton that gets a very very on paper tough newcastle team but only you know one in four right now so you know what i don't know how much you could really say about this newcastle team so far one win in four but 56 percent possession Six shots on target to two in favor of Brighton. Like after losing three to one last week to to West Ham, this is certainly a performance worthy of <clears throat> saying that that was maybe a fluke back uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but as for Newcastle, would have liked to put up a little more of a fight in this game. I know uh, these Ferguson goals, you know, couple nice bounces. I would say, and obviously, you know, good strikers find a way to put the ball in the net, but. 
maybe a little bit unfortunate on a couple of these, but yeah, I think they should be keeping it a little closer. Newcastle's defense, you know, historically stingy, giving up three goals in a game, probably rare for them. Um, but certainly questions to be answered going forward. Yeah. But we'll talk about Newcastle in just a few minutes. Crystal Palace 3, Wolves 2, a five-goal thriller. Hudson Edward on the double, Eze the 78th, Wang Hee Chan the 65th, and Cunha, uh, con- what would be a consolation in the 96th. But this is a very Crystal Palace-y game. Um, just their offensive studs. I'm surprised Zaha didn't get a goal in this game, but the only, only reason that happened is because he's not part of the team anymore, <laughs> but this would be a Zaha goal game. Um, Edward and Eze getting it done up top. Um, conceding goals to bad teams, but still getting the job done is kind of the Crystal Palace way. And yeah, lost possession, but dominated shots and shots on target. So kind of a tale of just Eze and I didn't even have a Lise for this game. I think he was injured. Um, but Eze and Edward kind of just going to work up top, making the most of their chances. And uh, I think we might have to talk about Wolves in just a second as well, because they're not looking too pretty either. No, we didn't expect much from them in the beginning of the season. I mean, they've they've got they've gotten points where you know they would where they don't deserve them, which at the very least is better than no points at all. Like that win at Everton, um, they certainly shouldn't have gotten three points out of. But you know, they they found a way to get the result. So you know, there there's promise for Wolves, but certainly on paper, a team yeah. that a lot of people were worried about going into the year. Liverpool 3, Aston Villa nil. Slabislai with a like almost like an Ozil bounce-ish yeah. goal uh, on the left-footed volley. Uh, then Matty Cash in the 22nd was with an own goal and Salah in the 55th to all but seal it. Very comfortable win against a tough Aston Villa side uh, at home. The fact that this game was not, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Squeaky, should mm. I say? Um, is a sign of very good things for Liverpool going forward. A clean sheet has been difficult to come by recently. So, Against an attacking Definitely, team like uh, Villa, to too, who yeah. very top-heavy. It's an impressive result. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Arsenal 3, Manchester United won a game that I was watching from a boat on my phone um, huddled in the corner uh, off a couple Trulies. <laughs> um, and come the end of this game, I was, I was getting ready for a couple more because <laughs> I would have been awfully disappointed <laughs> with a 1-1. But in the end, who else but Declan Rice in the 96th off what you know might have been the last kick of the game because what was it like? 98 it was eight minutes of extra time right yeah yeah i I knew that they threw a couple more on and jesus got the third because you know all the united guys were forward uh but yeah that i mean if Declan, if uh onana catches and holds on to that that's probably the last kick for arsenal um but all that late seat late game drama from last season rolling right into 2023 2024 um i'm not gonna say i'm here for it Cause I'd rather the third, yeah. the you know, the three one come in the fifty fifth and not the ninety plus six. But I don't know. Yeah, I'd rather not what think. You for, you know, I've lost the we've <laughs> lost the game. You know, five minutes earlier 
Um, yeah, I was watching. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> the, the fucking. Uh, oh my god, Garnacho. Yeah, I. I mean, for I didn't even think about offside just because I'm like, well, Garnacho's come on, come off the bench and scored past the 80th minute. Like it's just destiny. Like this is just what he does. <laughs> like it's not getting wiped out. Um. But I yeah. was ready for a text from you. At, at, like within 90 seconds, yeah. I'm not getting confirmed. Just like a, it's inevitable text yeah. or something like that. No. Um, but yeah, I was watching this game with my uh, roommate who's a United fan. So that was a, the, this was a fun little, little watch party. Um. <laughs> Just met each other and you're yelling fucking yeah. <laughs> obscene <laughs> things at each other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, we're we're good friends, so I tried to keep it, you know, civil. I, I waited till like, he left the room to just, like, absolutely just, like, <laughs> emote <laughs> in the middle of the dorm. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, a deserved win for Arsenal, even though it was yeah. not pretty in the end. I mean, this Declan Rice goal, it, uh-huh. not not a great goal. I mean, he's no. chested it, it down It was a well. result of a little bit of pressure, <laughs> yeah. but... It wasn't, uh, you know, necessarily a, a skillful one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Jesus goal, very nice, very well taken. Sent Dallow. Yeah, yeah. Dallow's still sliding to this day. Um, <laughs> but it was a shame for Dallow because Dallow actually had a very good game up to that point. He kept Sokka yeah. relatively quiet, but yeah, uh, Sokka's certainly getting the last laugh there. But yeah, uh, another Arsenal United classic, I'd say. Yeah. And did you know that Saka Saka won the England Player of the Year? Mm-hmm. He won it last year too. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Harry Kane didn't win it either of the two years. Harry yeah. Kane, Declan Rice, like I don't know, I fucking is, it, is Jude Bellingham like? Well, I think the thing we need to talk about is the fact that Saka's somehow won Young Player of the Year over PFA Player of the Year Erling Holland. Yeah, I think that's the, well, it's the same reason. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same reason they give like the NFL MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year to different people because like the NFL MVP, if it's Patrick Mahomes, he's obviously also the Offensive Player of the Year, but like you have to give it to two different people because yeah. like it's you know you're trying to spread the love a little bit. So, also, Holland is, like, right on the line. Sokka's younger. He should be getting more credit anyway. Holland's not even that good. So like, <laughs> um, and with that terrible piece of commentary, we <laughs> will move on to some Match Week 5 predictions. Just one this week. Manchester United hosting Brighton at Old Trafford. A lot of shit going on with Manchester United off the pitch recently. Yeah. Will that factor into Ethan's pick? Um... Not too much. Um, I mean, Anthony, I think the fact that Anthony is not going to play for United is not the worst thing in the world here. I don't <laughs> think that's going to be too much of a detriment. Two to of the them. worst players. Let's, <laughs> let, let me point out two of the worst players in Manchester United's entire squad right now were Mason Mount and Anthony, and God removed them from the, <laughs> both of them from the squad. So maybe God's a Manchester United fan. Yeah. Um, listen, Brighton coming off a very good win against Newcastle. United coming off a tough loss against Arsenal. But um, after an international break, I think form will fade out a little bit. And United at home, I think still I'm being at home under Ten Hag, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that'll 
remain the case here. I'm going to go 2-0 to United. Uh, oh, wait, no. Brighton beat them at home <laughs> last year. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> In, like, the first game. Oh, Other yeah. than that, I think they've been unbeaten since. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I like Brighton in this game. I, I don't know where this squad's head is at with Ten Hag. I know he's a disciplinarian, so if there's anybody that would have to deal with all this BS, it, it'd be him. However, they had the whole, like, inviting a known sex offender back to the stadium. Oh, yeah, I forgot about apologize that. Apologize for that. And then Anthony is now also a known sex offender, so, like, <laughs> or, like, domestic assault. I don't think it's sex, but I think it's domestic assault. Like. I don't know where the squad's head is at. Yeah. They're on, they're not on great form either. They just took a tough loss away from home against their bitter rivals. Uh 2-1 Brighton. Wow. You know, you just got to keep Ferguson. dishing out the apologies. Just <laughs> <laughs> Learn a thing are, or two from you Rashford. You get an apology. You get an apology. Yeah. <laughs> And the Cole Greenwood thing, obviously, that was that was happening. Yeah. Katafe picked them up, and the admin is going cra- Have you, like, my For You page, my tw- Twitter For You page has, for some reason, picked up every single Katafe Mason Greenwood tweet. Oh, yeah. And just, like, look at this shit. Like, there's got to be somebody back there that's doing this manually, because the <laughs> algorithm is not picking that shit up. Like, there's got to be someone that's like, you got to see this shit. Come on. Yeah, no. it's funny though. It's, it's just like Mason. It's like him in training, and it's like Mason all caps with like the star eyes. I'm like, come on now, <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 come on. And everybody, there's like half the comments are like, still a great footballer, like amazing, and half the comments are like, please delete this. Like, <laughs> do, do not put this on social media. But I guess if you're shameless enough to sign a, just ostracize Mason Greenwood, then I guess you might as well. Put it on social media as well. Yeah. And with that, we'll move on to the beef of the podcast. The panic meter. The two-man wall panic meter. First time we've done something like this, but I think it should be a fun one. Here's how this is going to work. We're going to pick a team, and me and Ethan are going to go back and forth. Rating on a scale of 1 to 10 with decimals. So, to the 10th. Mm-hmm how much we think you should be panicking about this specific team. 10 being sell everyone, fire everyone. Zero being do not fret at all. And then, you know, everything in between. Pretty straightforward. Are you ready, Ethan? I'm ready. First club up. Manchester United. Perfect transition. Roll right (laughs) into it. How much should you be panicking about Manchester United? One to ten. Um, before I give my rating, I'm just saying I've my rating is purely based off of what's going on on the field. Off the field, it's like a fucking eleven. Like they've got to sort their <laughs> shit out. But <laughs> um, on the field, I've gone for a four point three. Um, okay. United have been underwhelming. There's no doubt about that. But they haven't been poor. Um. If you look at the new signings, Mount hasn't been great so far, but pretty small sample size, and he's injured right now, so really not worth talking about. Um, Onana's conceded a lot of goals, yes, but 
most weren't really his fault. And the main attribute they've brought Onana in for is his play out of the back. And so far, that has been very good from him. Um, and certainly exactly what they're looking for. Um, also, Hoyland, he's yet to make his full debut, but he looks pretty good off the bench against Arsenal. So there's there's a lot to be excited about from that perspective. I think the player to point out is Casemiro, who's looked poor so far, and that could be a big issue because he was the heartbeat of that team last year. Obviously, Rashford was carried the goals going forward, but Casemiro was really just like the rock that like held everything together there. And he, when he came in, it really turned things around for United. So if Casemiro can't pick up his form, that could be uh, an issue. I know they've just signed Amrabat too. Um, so again, you know, that's something to be excited about, but mm. so far they've just Who's looked injured, underwhelming. Yeah, he is, he is injured. Yeah. Um, uh, how, how long-term is it though? I mean, I don't think it's like too bad. I mean, I think the issue here is with the people who are doing the physicals at Manchester United yeah. <laughs> because Hoyland also had a very pretty serious like injury what was considered to be like like not a healthy player coming to the club um and they just you know signed him that line anyway so yeah four point what four point three I've gone four point three and one more point I do want to make uh mm-hmm. for that they should be panicking about is that they should really be panicking about especially uh after the Arsenal game is the lack of defensive depth um I mean, the Maguire-Evans center-back partnership that closed out that game against Arsenal really tells you yeah. all you need to know. And this is something like I said in the preseason podcast, too, um, that United, if Varane and or Lissandro Martinez goes down, um, it, could be, it could be rough for them. And it was on full display against Arsenal. So that could be an issue for them. I'm going to go with a 7.1 here. I think you should be not, you shouldn't be full-blown panicking, but you should absolutely be concerned about the Houston United team, and let me tell you why. One, you don't have a number nine. I know you have Hoyland, who for his first minutes in the Arsenal game didn't look bad. He looked decent. Again, incredibly small sample size, but as of right now, you do not have a number nine. Hoyland is a gamble, still. Um, your first four games, you sh- probably shouldn't have gotten a win against Wolves. Maybe you should have even lost that game. Um, didn't deserve even close to a point against Arsenal. Almost by fortune alone got one, but didn't deserve that. You really deserved one win so far out of three. Like, out of four. You're very thin at center back. You're playing Dallow at left back right now, who's a right back. Onana hasn't looked spectacular. And I will factor in the fact that there is a lot of off-field shit going on. Your 100 million pound signing is, God knows if he'll put on a United jersey again. At least you move Rashford out wide because 
you playing Martial. Uh, Hoyland is back now. Uh, I think if Hoyland comes in and is a 13 to 15 goal scorer in the league, no need to panic. However, I think that is somewhat far-fetched right now, considering his youth and his promise right now. Not that he can't do it. I'm saying it's a little bit far-fetched. I, he's this young, you know, prodigy. Like, there's a very there's a solid chance he could do it, but it is somewhat far-fetched. Um, right now, the backbones, you're like, if all else fails, these guys will do well, are Lissandro, when he's healthy, and Bruno Fernandez, And to some extent, Rashford. I think Rashford has his off days, but his grid days even that out to about backbone quality. So that's three players of your 11. There's no one else I can really trust. Wambasaka is good defensively, but he really doesn't offer anything going forward. Sancho's bad. Garnacho doesn't get minutes. Maybe Garnacho also will be been, starting right wing. And hate we'll, to interject here, but there's also been off the field stuff going on with Sancho too. I don't know if you've seen like his yeah, comments in relation Ten Hag, to yeah. Ten Hag. Yeah. So. Yeah. Is there any other than Rashford? Uh, is there like a single winger who's just like? Not causing drama right now <laughs> at United. <laughs> well, Rashford, Rashford with the whole donation of meals, he's like evening out the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> Rashford has to work so hard to save like the United <laughs> Winger name, like exactly. The United Wingers Union is like <laughs> hanging on by a thread right now. Um, but yeah, this is this is a what did I say seven point one. This is a seven point one in my opinion because if Hoyland doesn't work out, we're in like you need to sign a striker in January or else mode or else you like miss out on four top four top five is it is it is it top five now with the whole UCL thing um not it's not like confirmed yet but I just watched a video on this like a couple days ago so I should I should know better but I think the way it works is I can't remember exactly how to describe it but i think the way that they format who gets the extra spots like almost guarantees that the prem will get a fifth spot so yeah it's likely it's likely so what let's say let's say it's four for instance you're missing out on top four top five it's a tough year this year too because tottenham look like they are flying into a top four spot arsenal and city look pretty locked in liverpool certainly looks better than you do um I don't know West Ham like <laughs> uh like I'm not gonna say that but right now but um too early for that but yeah at seven point one for me right now this it's not like an eight or a nine because obviously they have guys like Bruno in there that are giving you know eight out of ten nine out of tens every week um and they you know they've dominated possession in a lot of games generated chances they just over the course of a thirty eight game season they're gonna need a a little more a little less distraction for Ten Hag from the sides mm. and a little more quality on the pitch. And I don't know if that's going to come to be completely honest. I'm not that confident it's going to come, but it could. And if, if, if Hoyland starts scoring goals, it probably fixes everything. And again, they're very good at home. So like, that's why it's not an eight or nine. That's why it's a seven point one. We move on to Chelsea football club who sit right back where they finished last season in 12th. Just four points from their first four games. 
if I'm not. Let me four points. Back. Yeah, four points in their first four games. United six in their first four games. Um, what do we got to say about Chelsea? Um, so I'll talk about Chelsea before I give my rating because it all depends upon what your expectations are of Chelsea this year because they vary, I feel like, a lot. There are some people who think that Chelsea should be pushing top four this season. There are others who think they should just be pushing for Europe this season. So it kind of all depends upon what you think Chelsea can achieve this year. Because um, there's no doubt Chelsea just don't look good right now. It just doesn't look good for them. Um, I mean, sitting at home to Nottingham Forest, a team that have been so bad on the road um, yeah. since they've gotten promoted. I mean, just awful on the road. Although, they, I mean, they have they played better on the road this year. I mean, they played close matches against Arsenal and United, but still, the fact that you're getting beat by them at home is just inexcusable. Um, but... I'm saying a five for Chelsea in terms of panic meter because this is just for me. My expectations of them are not that high. Like, cause I, I predicted yeah. them to finish seventh in terms of Chelsea's ability to finish seventh. It's concerning, certainly, but not like overly yeah. panicking. Like here's the thing. Everyone's talking about how much Chelsea have spent. Cause you know, they spent like a billion under Bowley. I think. Mm -hmm. So people are thinking Chelsea should be playing like a billion pound team. But the vast majority of the value of that billion is in the potential of these players, not the actual quality yeah, yeah. that they have right now. Obviously, players like Sterling, Enzo Fernandez, um, Caicedo, Thiago Silva, all of them have, you know, very good quality right now. But a lot of these players, like, you know, 50 mil on, you know, Disassi, you know, he's not going to play like a 50 mil player right now. He's still very, very young. Like, try to think about if every player on this Chelsea team was 29 years old. Like, what would they be worth if they're 29, 30? Like, how much would you be spending on this team then? Like, you actually look at the pure quality of this Chelsea team. They're like sixth or seventh in terms of actual quality in the Premier League. Um, so some people think that these Chelsea performances are just, I mean, they're bad. They're, there's no doubt that these Chelsea performances are bad, but they're, yeah. but if they think, if people are thinking that Chelsea should be finishing top four, then yeah, you should be panicking. You should have been panicking for a while because this, <laughs> this is really a f very far fetched and who knows, maybe the end of the season they finish fourth and you know, I'll eat my words, but. No, I just don't, right now, I mean, especially without Nkuku, too, I just don't see a lot yeah, of quality. Yeah, forget they don't have Nkuku, who's arguably their best yeah. player they don't have right now. So. Yeah, I mean, and if you really take a look at the actual quality out there on the field, like, these, per these poor performances are just somewhat understandable. And again, all these players are new, the manager's new, like, Chelsea fans should be in full trust the process mode. That's really what they should be doing right now. They just have to swallow their pride, take the banter. They've been taking it all last season. They should be getting used to it by now. Um, yeah. They just got to trust the process right now because the results, they're going to they're gonna take a while. 
So yeah, I'm just going smack dab in the middle just because the expectations are so varied. Yeah. Uh, I actually wholeheartedly agree with you. I'll actually go lower. I'm gonna, I would go 4.7. Um, but basically, right around what you said, I, I mean, everything you said, I agree with. Um, but it's not, I mean, if I, if you were, if it was full trust, the process, if you really believed it was full trust, the process, you probably go to, close to like two. Cause like, Hey, not yeah. the panic. This is probably what it, we expected, but I think it's, I think you may have mis mismetered yourself. Mm-hmm. I think based on what you said, you should have got closer to like two or three. Uh, but I mean, I say 4.7 because it's not two or three. I think that it's not, I don't think this team has even showed too much promise. Obviously barring a like ridiculous Nicholas Jackson miss, they shouldn't have lost this game. Mm. But like 4.7 is like, I am still quite concerned that they brought in so many players and yes, these guys have potential, but in order to realize potential, you need game time almost always. It rarely does a player become a Premier League quality player, certainly a top four, you know, challenging for Premier League title quality player by just riding the bench for three years. Like, Gabby Martinelli needed, like, a decent amount of game time to figure his shit out. He was a very one-footed player. He was not very good 1v1. All of a sudden, he got game time. He learned how to work the wings, learned how to drive at defenders, learned his, took it, found his finishing touch, and then he realized his potential. They have so many young guys. Their whole squad is new. I am still very concerned about, I, I think players will develop, the guys that get playing time, the guys like maybe Mudrick, but like Enzo will develop, Caicedo will develop, Desasi will develop, Maduke, if he gets time, will develop, uh, Maduke will develop, uh, Nkunku will develop, Nicholas Jackson will develop if they all get playing time. But like all these guys from the bench, like Romeo Lavia, is he, if he doesn't get playing time, like it's a Caicedo-Enzo midfield right now. Like, is he going to develop? Like, I just don't. I think there's just a lot of pieces to this jigsaw puzzle. I'll use the analogy again, and that's where my concern comes from right now. However, I think that this was always going to be a very difficult thing to take on 25 new guys for Mercio Pochettino. So this is kind of expected, also, which is why it's not like a seven, obviously. Um, so shouldn't be as much concern as maybe some Chelsea fans who are a little short-sighted think so. But still a little bit because I do think they their squad is a little too jumbled right now. Everton Football Club. Is this the year, Ethan? How much should we be panicking? Um, I mean, <laughs> we, we say it every year. This certainly could be the year because <laughs> just on paper, this Everton squad is it's just not good. It just really isn't. Yeah. Um But I'm going for uh a seven, actually. Not at the very far end of the scale. Um, just, and this is just purely because it's so early. Um, just because there isn't a hole to dig themselves out of yet. <laughs> They're just yeah. in the process of digging the hole for them. So, yeah. I mean, first of all, this team, start of the year, is already starting off in panic. <laughs> so, you have, you, have to, <laughs> you have to factor that <laughs> in. Like, like if we were starting from, like, absolute zero, I mean, there wouldn't be that much to panic about, like, for Everton, because, hey, it's, you know, it's four games in, whatever. But, yeah, but, like, of course you're panicking as an Everton fan, because your team just isn't good. <laughs> you just barely avoid relegation for the last two seasons. You're just, 
If you're an Everton yeah. fan, you're in a constant state of panic. Like, <laughs> it's it's just how it is. Um, I mean, the where the panic really comes from is the fact that, like, listen, a lot of these teams who have poor results to start off with have just had difficult fixtures. Everton have played, mm. just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, Villa, Wolves, Fulham, Sheffield United. They really should be taking. Yeah, Sheffield this weekend. Wolves they lost to one nothing two weekends ago. Villa four nothing the weekend before, and then Fulham one nothing on the opening match week. Yeah, those those are four teams that they should be taking more than one point from, especially the two games yeah. at home. Um, the loss to Fulham and the loss to Wolves. The the Wolves loss is abysmal because they completely outplayed Wolves and still got nothing from yeah. it. But that's concerning because in a relegation battle, your home games are really where you make it count. You know, that's really where you need to be earning the points. And so far they haven't. So yeah, that's reason for panic. Um, I just have an out of seven right now because the panic is inevitable. It's just, it's just not there yet. Because in a yeah. relegation battle, you can't really be panicking too much day one unless you're just like absolute complete dog shit which i mean we'll get into <laughs> for some teams. yeah <laughs> i i have them at a 7.8 because i hate their signings signing it was really just old dan juma i guess but like i was ashley young and they to uh, be fair they have brought in this new like portuguese striker beto i think from udinese yeah. um i mean he'll probably score like five goals, six goals a season. Yeah, <laughs> so. maybe. Uh, I'm sure he's just the Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but Portuguese. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, I don't know where these goals are coming from. Uh, I said it, I think I said it last podcast, like the one manager I want to bring in to fix this is Sean Dyche. <laughs> and he's the one that's fucking it up. Like, that's also a point of concern because like, if he can't do it, I don't know who really can. Big Sam. He's kind of like, yeah, I mean, Maybe not. He got him. He got who was it? Guy relegated last year. Uh, Nart Leeds. Who was it last year? Leeds, right? Leeds. Yeah, they needn't put up a fight. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, if we don't have Big Sam, what what's left? <laughs> what yeah, has the world come to? Like, Moyes is employed. Hodgson's employed. Like. We're gonna have to where do you go from dig here? into like the Tony Pulis bucket? Grant Potter. <laughs> uh yeah, Alan Pardew. Alan Pardew. <laughs> oh, we're getting old school. Um <laughs> uh yeah, this is this is seven point eight for me. I don't like their signings. I don't like the way they're playing football. Nothing's going right. They they can usually rely on Sean Dice. He has been unreliable tactically this season. They can usually rely on their home form and their home fans. They have not performed well at home. They haven't performed well anywhere. Um, this, I mean, it, if they just keep flirting with relegation, Ethan, they're going to fuck up eventually. Yeah. And I'm 7.8 out of 10% sure that this could be the year. Could have just said 78. <laughs> yeah. You got the idea. <laughs> Newcastle United, one win from four Newcastle United. Haven't looked on paper like they've played poorly, but in the end, results are all that matters. 
Should we be panicking about Newcastle United? Um, no, not really. I have them at a three here. Um, I mean, they've lost three straight games, but those games have been to City, Liverpool, and Brighton. And the Liverpool game, just the way it played out, is just a bit of an aberration. It's kind of one that, like, kind of just write off and say, like, shit hit the fan. It yeah. is what it is. Um, and they still beat a very, very good Villa side. And not just beat, they, you know, pummeled them at home. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. if these, you see these res- types of uh, results scattered throughout the season, nobody bats an eye. It's just the fact that they've had such a tough run at the beginning of the year. Um, it just yeah. doesn't look great. Um, so, yeah, the only reason I, ha- I have them as high as a three, really, is just because um, the expectations are high for Newcastle. Yeah. You know, that, that's where they're at now. So, you know, you would be, listen, it's not necessarily too concerning that they're losing these games. But these are games where you kind of, you know, might expect them to get, you know, more points here and there now just because they're, you know, they're playing Champions League. And, hey, they're going to be needing to get points against high-quality sides because they're in one of the worst Champions League groups of death deaths I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Dortmund, Milan, yeah, PSG, I, was... and now Newcastle. Like, that is Newcastle. a crazy group. Newcastle's one of the best pot four teams of all time in my opinion. And they got put in with a very yeah. good pot three team. And obviously the pot one and pot two are always going to be decent. So yeah, this is, yeah. Usually pot four is like the Israeli team that scrapes through, mm. not, you know, Saudi backed Sandro Tonali, Alexander Isaac, yeah. Newcastle team. So, um, <clears throat> yes, I have a, what'd you say? Three. Three. Not getting too quirky with the uh, 3.1, <laughs> 2.9. You know, go fuck yourself. I'm putting my back in this. Uh, I'm going 3.4. Wow, so cool. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, agree, I agree with you on this. The reason, the, honestly, I would go like 1.4. I totally believe in this Newcastle team. Eddie Howe, mid, the midfield looks good. Isaac is great. Uh, Almiron even isn't playing that badly, and they kind of need to step up a little bit. Uh, Gordon looks good. I think right now panic mode on Dan Byrne. That's what I would say. <laughs> I would say eight point seven panic on Dan Byrne. We need to find a left back. I think they have Livermento. Don't you dare um, replace so Dan Byrne before Livermento. he gets to face Mbappe. <laughs> don't you dare. If I don't get to see Mbappe versus Dan Byrne, I will throw hands. I swear to God, I I need to see it. We will be there no matter what. <laughs> Okay, well, it's not in my hands. It's in Eddie Howe's hands. But uh, don't don't shoot the messenger. He might be gone by then. Because um, he has not looked good so far. Everyone else has looked fine. Dan Botman injured. Nick Pope has actually looked not so great. That's one player that has played like pretty far below expectations so far. He's been uh, you know, spilling balls and stuff like that. I think that was one of the Evan Ferguson goals was a, a poor spill from I wouldn't, uncharacteristic. I wouldn't goal, say I that say. was a poor spill. Poor spill. If you saw the velocity on that shot, I don't think anybody catches that. I mean, if it's that, if it's hit that hard, you you knock it. To That's the true. Side, he he should just be parrying that instead of um, trying to catch it. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I mean, this defense has conceded a decent amount of goals so far this season, and for I think tied for the best defensive record in the league last year. That is a lit should raise some alarm bells. They've conceded 
seven goals in four games, which I guess isn't terrible, all things considered, but, you know, they almost led the league in clean sheets. Did they? Nick Pope, right? Did he get the Golden Glove? Uh, no, De Gea, or was De Gea, Gea did somehow. Oh, it was De Gea. Wow, okay, never mind. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure Nick Pope was pretty far up there. I, I spent Botman in, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, fantasy. So, uh, I, I know most of the clean sheets they had. Uh, but nonetheless, nothing really to panic about. The only reason it's not a 1.7 is because they do have a very difficult Champions League group and they can't, they don't really have that, you know, pot three team that they can maybe play, shuffle the squad around a little bit. They kind of have to go full 11 at the midweek games, which might, wear them down come you know the hectic uh festive fixtures and stuff like that so that's why i kind of bumped it up to like a 3.4 because they haven't really had to deal with this extracurricular competition yet and it's now a very difficult extracurricular competition it's six very difficult games they have added to their schedule um so yeah all in all nothing to really worry about here they will rebound they have the quality but uh you know, would have liked to see him start a little bit better, especially defensively. Yeah. And last but not least, Burnley Football Club, Vincent Company-led Burnley Football Club. Is his seat hot? How much should we be panicking? Uh, not really at all. Um, similar story to Newcastle here. They've only played three games, not even four, because they didn't play against Luton because their stadium still wasn't ready, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they lost to what Spurs, City, and Villa. Um, three games which you kind of expect them to lose. Um, the only thing is, all three of those games were at home, and I thought they would have put up a bit more of a fight, maybe get a draw against Villa, maybe keep it close against Spurs. Although, again, Spurs just looked yeah. really, really good recently. But yeah, there's really not, not much to be concerned about here at all. Again, only reason I have three is because I pretty I have pretty high expectations for Burnley this year. I think I have him finishing eleventh. Yeah. If my, if I, only if my only expectations of them were to just avoid relegation, I'd have them at like a, like a one point two. Um. Huh. But yeah, just because I think. There is a lot Burnley can achieve just because I have high expectations for them based off of how much they just dominated the championship last year. Um, yeah, like a three for me. Uh, I'm gonna go a little higher, I'm gonna go with a five, maybe 5.2. Uh, they haven't really even put up a fight in these games. I mean. Like five two, they were pretty lackluster against Spurs. I think their goals were a little bit fortunate. I don't think they can rely on Lyle Foster to get the goals they need to stay up in this league. I think they need to find it from somewhere else. Brownell was one of their better players in the championship last year. Haven't really seen much of him. Um, I mean, only losing three nothing to City on a red card in match week one is probably the greatest achievement <laughs> this year so far of the three games. Like. What was it? Three one to Aston Villa, five two to Burnley. They've conceded five, eight, eleven goals in three games. Like, granted, those were good opponents, but like, uh, I expected this team to come twelfth, and when you come twelfth, you kind of like come damn near beating 
at least Aston Villa probably putting up a decent fight at home against Tottenham and at home against Aston Villa. Those are the games you probably take 2-2, take a point out of something like that if you're really looking to be the you know championship winners that you were last season, the serial goal scorers you were. I don't think that their identity has transferred at all, and I they haven't really strengthened in the window. Their identity hasn't transferred. I haven't really seen much out of Vincent Company. Didn't watch too many championship games last year. Don't really know what his tactics style is like, but I, I can't really find an identity for this team right now. Um, I watched a decent amount of that Spurs game, and yeah, it I can't really find an identity right now. That's why it's at a five. I'm not going to say it's at a seven or an eight because obviously I just don't know too much about Burnley right now, and they did play some pretty tough teams, but yeah, not really keeping it close against those three teams at home. Obviously, City's a tough one, but I don't know. Just It's, it's not not scary. If that makes sense. And with that, we will round out the podcast for this week. Some things to panic about, some things to not panic about. I, I think we were afraid to say that we should be really panicking about any team because, again, it is early. Um, maybe we'll redo this come match week 10, match week 12. Then we'll have some more information to really strike some panic into some fan bases. But I guess this early, kind of pulling some punches, should I say. Um, I don't know. Is that how you felt? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always a bit more of uh optimist in these earlier weeks than you. Sure. I'm I'm always more willing to lay off a bit. Uh so yeah. Again, four weeks in. Like, let's be real. We can we can have fun with this, but after four weeks, the the results really don't mean much. It's more about the eye test. And certainly for some teams, the eye, they're not passing the eye test. But looking at pure results right now or looking at the table right now is just foolish. Whatever you say. <laughs> uh, with that, we were round up the podcast for this week. Uh, match week five coming up. Looking forward to this United-Brighton game because... If it goes the wrong way for Manchester United, we could see a little bit of a death spiral with all that's happening over there. But um, who knows? You know, who knows? I like to be a pessimist sometimes, uh, as <laughs> Ethan likes to point out. Uh, with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.